Weekday afternoon replay from Money FM 89.3. Health Suites with Clarissa Montero on Money FM 89.3. Good afternoon and welcome to Health Weights on Money FM 89.3. I am speaking with Dr. Ronnie Tan, urologist, Mount Elizabeth Hospital. He's going to talk to us and explain the Eurolift system. Welcome to the show. I can honestly say this is probably a problem I won't have. Yes, this only happens <laughs> in men. Okay, this only <laughs> happens with men. So either wives or men. I hope they're listening. The purpose of the prostate gland. Why don't we start there? Okay, so uh, the prostate gland is actually found at uh, bladder neck, which uh, you can imagine the urinary bladder, mm-hmm. between the bladder and the urethra, where the urine comes out. Right. So that's where the prostate sits. So uh, the prostate gland is also accompanied by uh, two uh, seminal vesicles, one on each side, mm-hmm. so the left and the right seminal vesicles. So what does a prostate gland do? Basically, it produces secretions, mm-hmm. uh, which makes up 95% of what a man ejaculates in terms of volume. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in these secretions, uh, they contain uh, nutrients to keep the sperms alive. Okay. So that uh, the sperms that is actually uh, produced by the testicle will then be bathed in these uh, nutrients mm-hmm. and they survive the swim to meet the egg. Right. Yeah. Okay, so the problem arises when it gets larger or... Yes. Okay. So uh, as a man grows older, mm-hmm. usually past the age of 45 or 50, they okay. find that the, the prostate actually enlarges. Okay. So having a large prostate doesn't really mean that definitely there will be some symptoms. But you can imagine because it's sitting at the bladder neck, mm-hmm. there's always this chance of the prostate enlarging and blocking the flow of the urine. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Yes. So it enlarges, which in, in and of itself doesn't necessarily cause any pain or discomfort. Uh, yes. But because it's it's blocking the the... The flow of the urine from the bladder. Right. So as a result, uh, com- common symptoms uh, can be either divided into what I call storage symptoms mm-hmm. versus voiding symptoms. Okay. So storage symptoms will be things like uh, inability to completely empty the bladder. Every time okay. you go to the toilet, mm-hmm. you find you need to go again, things like that. In terms of voiding symptoms, the patient can complain of a slow stream. Okay. You find that they're taking longer than their friend to actually finish their pee mm-hmm. or they need to strain when they pass urine. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm understanding that. Mm. And the potential dangers to that. What okay. are they? So you can imagine that um, the prostate is at the end, in a way, at the end of the urinary tract. Okay. So upstream to our bladder will be the kidneys and the ureters. Mm-hmm. So ureters are the tubes that join the kidney to the bladder. Okay. So uh, simply put, the urine is formed in the kidney, mm-hmm. flows down the two ureters to the bladder where it's uh, uh, stored, mm-hmm. and then up to a certain point... Um, uh, due to conditioning and how we were brought up, we were able to tell when's the time to pass urine, when is this socially acceptable to pee. Right. And the uh, bladder will actually squeeze the urine through the prostate into the urethra. Right. So you can imagine uh, if the prostate is so enlarged it's blocking, mm-hmm. the bladder will have difficulty trying to empty. Right. So the pressure in the, the bladder actually builds up. Mm-hmm. The bladder becomes more and more muscular, just like any muscle that if you work out, uh, the muscles will actually become thicker. Right. So however in the bladder, we don't want the muscle to be too thick. Because once it's too thick, um, the bladder can no longer distend properly. Right. So the storage is actually affected. The pressure continues to build up and then the urine actually goes backwards up towards the kidneys. So potentially, if it's left uh, untreated, there's a chance of uh, kidney failure because of that. Oh, I see. I was going to ask you if there was a chance of infection, but yeah. kidney failure sounds a lot worse. Yes, of course, that's at the end, uh, end point where nothing is done. You are right, they are actually more prone to uh, bladder infection causes mm-hmm. like this. And, also, and of course, um, because of the stasis of the urine in the bladder, right. also puts them at higher risk of forming bladder stones. I see. Yes. Okay. So at that point, we're assuming that at some point, discomfort comes into play. 
when do you normally see patients with this condition? Do they come in quite early or by the time they come in to see you because they're uncomfortable, it's already quite serious? Okay. A few scenarios that the patient will present to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, one scenario is where the patient is totally unable to pee at all. For example, he finds that over the whole... That would be horrible. Yeah. The whole day he feels this uh, discomfort uh, mm-hmm. in the lower abdomen and then he feels that his bladder, his chest can't empty and it only starts to drip. What okay. I call uh, overflow incontinence. Okay. So basically, you can imagine it's like filling the whole balloon uh, full of fluid. Up to a certain point, it will just leak out. So that's one way. Uh, that's what we call a retention of urine. Mm-hmm. The other group of patients that come to us will be those who find that uh, they're taking a bit longer to pass urine as compared to their friends. For example, um, they go out for coffee together, they go to the toilet, the friend finishes, walks off, he's still at the urinal trying to pee. So these are the common uh, scenarios that they present. Okay, what is benign prostatic hyperplasia? Okay, so benign means that it's uh, non-cancerous, non-malignant. Okay. So uh, prostatic hyperplasia just means an enlargement of the prostate. So okay. simply put, it is uh, non-cancerous uh, prostatic growth. So this is the condition that we're talking about, BPH. Yes, that's right. And it is different from prostate cancer. Does it develop cancer if it's untreated? Okay, so BPH itself can coexist with cancer. Okay. But cancer tends to arise from what I call the peripheral zone mm-hmm. of the prostate, whereas BPH occurs in the adenoma of the prostate. Okay. So if you liken a prostate to, like, for example, an apple, mm-hmm. the cancer grows from the skin. Whereas the, the BPH is the growth inside the apple itself. I see. Okay. Yeah. We're speaking to Dr. Ronnie Tan, urologist, Mount Elizabeth Hospitals. We're talking about Eurolift. Now, I, I was given to understand right before the microphone went on that Eurolift is a it's procedure. A procedure, yes. Okay. So now we've talked about um, the enlargement of the prostate gland. We've talked about benign prostatic hyperplasia. So... Is Eurolift a procedure to fix that? Okay, so Eurolift is a relatively new, uh, minimally invasive procedure that we do for BPH. Okay. So, of course, the first line of treatment for BPH is still medications. Okay. So, uh, simple groups of medications we divide into alpha blockers mm-hmm. versus what I call uh, five ARIs. So, the alpha blockers help to relax the bladder neck, which is where the bladder is connected to the prostate, mm-hmm. to allow the patient to pass urine. The five ARIs uh, will help to shrink the prostate by working on the hormones, the male hormone. Right. Yeah. So uh, having said that, um, these medications do work well, but mm-hmm. they have some side effects. So for the younger younger men in the early 50s or late 40s who are stricken with this problem, um, they may not be acceptable to some of the side effects. Okay. So the common side effects of these medications will be actually sexual dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Uh, some patients find that uh, they don't ejaculate. Mm-hmm. So they have what I call retrograde ejaculation because the medicine works so well to open up the bladder neck the semen doesn't come up when the patient reaches orgasm. Right. So this is one thing. Uh, for those patients who require the medication where it affects the hormones, like mm-hmm. five ARIs, they also end up with erectile dysfunction. Okay. So you can imagine so some... Uh, so younger men would find that yes. a, a, unacceptable. That's right. Okay. So, um, of course, the, the gold standard of treatment for prostate enlargement is still TRP, where we actually resect the prostate. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what we are trying to avoid. Reset the we, prostate. Uh, resect. That means we cut the prostate from, ah. from inside. So uh, you should tell my patients, we are actually creating, creating a channel for mm-hmm. the urine to come out from the bladder well. Right. So it's likened to uh, one lane road, I create into an expressway. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so basically, you've got medication as an option, yes. but that has side effects yep. that would be found to be unacceptable, especially in younger patients. You have surgery. Yes. And is that surgery Eurolift or is Eurolift new? Uh, so Eurolift, Eurolift will actually bridge the gap between the patients uh, 
who either can't, cannot tolerate the side effects of medications mm-hmm. or they don't want to take the medications anymore because it's long term. Right. And and those because the younger men, let's say they go for surgery, like I mentioned, things like TRP. What happens is they definitely will not be able to ejaculate after the surgery. Okay. So it's even worse than the medication. So it's a, a complete lifestyle change yes, for them. Yeah. At that and point. the prostate still continues to grow as uh, even after resection because you don't remove the whole prostate like what we do in prostate cancer. Mm-hmm. Because in benign prostate, uh, what, what we're doing is in a way it's like coring an apple right. to create a channel. Okay. So Eurolift um, will actually be suitable for this group of patients because uh, there's no risk of uh, any sexual dysfunction mm-hmm. because of the procedure. Because when we do a Eurolift procedure, we don't cut any tissue. Okay. Yeah. Basically, we place implants inside the prostate to actually open up the prostate. So it's likened to drawing the curtains. So you can imagine if, let's say, uh, the prostate is enlarged, the curtains are closed. Mm-hmm. So what I'm doing now is I'm drawing the curtains aside and then I'm tying the curtains by the side so that uh, the, the light can the, come the through. The light can come through. Okay. So in this case, urine can come through. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Now, what is the age group that... BPH starts to affect men? Uh, most, most men will complain of uh, lowering urinary symptoms mm-hmm. uh, due to BPH by the time they hit late 40s, earliest. Mm-hmm. Um, most commonly still in the 50s. Uh, and then the, the percentage of men being affected by this uh, will actually increase with age. Okay, what causes it though? Uh, it's due to enlargement of the prostate. Yeah, we find that as we grow older, the prostate actually enlarges. So, so that just in happens. In a way, it's part of aging, yes. It's, it's not genetically linked? It's uh, No. It's not. It's just your luck. Yeah. This is an inevitability. <laughs> yes. So every man will have an enlarged prostate. So how fast the prostate grows, we're still unable to tell. Uh, or if we are unable to predict who are the guys who are more prone to have these uh, low urinary symptoms because of, of the enlarged prostate. Oh, okay. Yeah. And there's nothing that you can do to slow it down or arrest it? or. So, um, of course, uh, medications can be given, like I mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, to improve the flow. And then if... No, before rec- you get there. Oh, Mm, in a way, yeah, you, you can't. No, <laughs> it's just an inevitability. Yes. So you said Eurolift is very new. Um, can you tell us what kind of patients are leaning towards that and uh, what patients actually think about the procedure? Okay, so patients who are still sexually active, mm-hmm. uh, relatively young, mm-hmm. are, the, are the patients are, who are the best candidates for this procedure. Okay. Of course, they still need to be assessed by the urologist mm-hmm. to see whether the configuration of their prostate will actually benefit from uh, placement of these implants. Yeah. So um, we started the first implant in Singapore on the 16th of uh, October. This year? This year, yeah. That's very so new. So something very new, yes. Right. So uh, while I was on fellowship in the United States about um, five years ago, mm-hmm. that's when I first actually saw this uh, implant being put in and I had a chance of actually doing some of the implants uh, during my fellowship. And so when I saw it, I, I knew that uh, this is something that will be definitely good for Asian patients mm-hmm. because a lot of Asian patients uh, find that ejaculation is very important. So you, you tell them that uh, if I treat you for this condition, you cannot ejaculate. A lot of them actually turn away. From, from procedures. So, which is why I was hoping that the, this uh, treatment actually comes to Singapore and finally has arrived. <laughs> it has arrived. So, what are patients thinking of it? Are, are they excited? Yeah. Are they happy with this uh, so far third the, option? So far, the patients that uh, have undergone the procedure, mm-hmm. um, they do complain of a bit of uh, bleeding immediately after the surgery, which is uh, something you would expect because we are sure. placing implants. It only lasts for up to about two days. Um, subsequently, they feel that there's something inside the prostate. They just feel this uh, discomfort. But uh, most patients, after one to two weeks, find it actually goes off. Uh, the flow of the urination actually improves much better after mm-hmm. a week. And so far, um, the patients have not been complaining. 
I'm actually, my mind is still at the point where there's nothing you can do about it. And it's an inevitability that seems like you guys drew a short straw there <laughs> on this one. <laughs> There's, there should always be something that you can do to prevent it. Uh, we, uh, unfortunately, we can't prevent it because uh, the natural history of prostate is as such. Uh, it grows and it blocks. Mm-hmm. So if nothing is done, the end point will be uh, the patient goes into retention where he can't pee. Right. At that point, he either requires a placement of a urethral catheter, which is a urine tube, but that will be long term. And mm-hmm. definitely that is something that we don't want the patient to undergo right. because there will be a higher risk of getting infection because of the catheter. Right. So... Uh, if you look at a lot of the studies that's done on BPH, the endpoint is always TRP. That means the, the, the gold standard surgery. Mm-hmm. So what we're trying to do is to try to delay that as long as possible. Okay, so let's talk about delaying that. Eurolift, how long does it delay the surgery that would otherwise be your only other option? Yeah, so um, based on the international studies, they have uh, shown to have good results for up to five years. Up to five years? Yes. And beyond that, because they're still collecting the data, so hopefully it lasts even longer. Of course, it also depends on how big the prostate is. Mm-hmm. So let's say the prostate is relatively smaller. Of course, uh, placing the Eurolift, uh, the longevity of the procedure will definitely be longer as opposed to someone who has much bigger prostate. And uh, Which is why we need to assess the patient because some patients with very big prostate will re- require uh, many implants. And we find that in a way, that may not be uh, cost-efficient for the patient. And because we know that if you place too many implants, uh, we are worried whether um, it's actually helping the patient rather than he should go ahead and do the procedure. Right. But of course, uh, we also need to take into consideration the patient's expectations in terms mm-hmm. of sexual function. So we usually tell the patients these are the options. And if, let's say, sexual function is something that he deems uh, extremely important, important at yep. this point, yep. then we will say, okay, uh, this is something that's suitable for them. All right. And a patient who already has a benign prostatic hyperplasia or BPH, can they go anywhere to get this Eurolift? Okay, so um, we have started the program in uh, Mount Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in the Mount Elizabeth group of hospitals, uh, we're actually offering this procedure. And then uh, in SGH and NUH, they're also starting. Okay, mm. so they, they have some options as yes. to where they can go to, right. to get this. Um, what kind of information should they, should they the next time they go and see their, their doctor's or do they need to go to a urologist? Can they get information about this from a GP, maybe? Um, we're trying to uh, educate our GPs regarding this new, new treatment with uh, some GP forums. Um, but of course, the, the best way is still to, if they are concerned, they can always go straight to the urologist and explore whether uh, the urologist is actually able to provide this service because it's not available in all hospitals at this point in time. Okay. Dr. Ranitan is a urologist from Mount Elizabeth Hospital. This has been Health Suites on Money FM 89.3. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.